0: Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast, where we interview highly successful workplace wellness executives, experts, and entrepreneurs, and learn how they have found success where happiness meets business profitability. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pele with the Profitable Happiness Podcast, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to Christine Carter, PhD. Christine, you are a best-selling author, a sociologist, a happiness and productivity expert, the author of several books, um, you know, The Sweet Spot, Raising Happiness, but it seems to me like the, the one... Resume point that I really want to hear more about is the mom thing. You are the mom. <laughs> tell, us, tell us all about how you became Christine Carter, the mom and the happiness and productivity expert.
1: Uh, actually, my career as a happiness and productivity expert really began when I was pregnant with my oldest. So I, right now I have four teenagers. Um, but just so way back, 20 years ago mm-hmm. uh, when I first found myself so I pregnant or I, I actually know how it happens. I got pregnant <laughs> on purpose. <Yeah. laughs> but, um, I, you know, I come from a really long line of anxious um, parents, anxious women in particular and um, kind of overachieving perfectionistic. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to be a mom. I am in the anxiety ends here, right. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. figure out a way to raise uh, my children that in which I'm not so anxious all the time and mm-hmm. in which they aren't anxious. And actually, I read a study when I was pregnant about, um, about rats. And um, they were breeding some rats to be really anxious genetically uh-huh. and mm-hmm. breeding other rats to be really calm um, genetically and just like resilient rats and stressed yeah. out rats. Mm-hmm. And they took the, the rats that were bred to be resilient and calm
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um and had and 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 put those fetuses in the rats that were anxious and stressed out.
2: Wow. And
1: um and what they found is that the genetically calm rats became mm-hmm. anxious and vice versa. So I thought, you know, this is this is both good news and bad news, right? Yeah. <laughs> that I might be pre- like genetically anxious, mm-hmm. you know. But if I can just calm myself down, like this is something that I'm in control. I can't control what genes I pass on to my kids, mm-hmm,
2: but I mm-hmm. can
1: control the behaviors that um, seem to be a greater influence on anxiety. Anyway, that's a long winded way of saying how I became interested in, um, in all this and became a happiness expert. Well, you know,
0: you, you also talk about being a personal growth junkie. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you, and you love to teach. You know what you feel you need to learn. So, so besides yeah. the the rat story, which I love, by the way, um, were there other events in your early development and in, in your life that sort of put you on this path uh, to growth and, and to to teaching this kind of a, a topic?
1: Yeah, you know, every single time I struggle with anything, I um, I turn to the research to look about what like what we know. This is what I love so much about my job. Like I figure out where I'm stuck or um the my where my clients are stuck and, mm-hmm. and now you know and um and then I look at all the great emerging research around it and figure out okay how do we make this work for us like mm-hmm. we know so much
2: mm-hmm. about
1: well-being but we're a little bit less good about translating it into our actual everyday behavior integrating it into our lives and so mm-hmm. for, for me you know i I began by solving my own problems.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and frankly, that's probably one of the best ways to do it because it's from our own struggles that we sort of discover the world and then help others discover the world, right?
1: Exactly.
0: Um, I love the, the focus on, on research. So many people uh, talk about these, these things based on their life story or the way they feel about happiness or you know, wellness. And they leave out a chunk of research that really, is the science behind what's happening. Right. Um, you know, you, f- you found yourself in the middle of, of this focus on research. How did it, how did you f- decide to focus on the parenting and the mom aspect, um, the children aspect of, of, of well being? How did, how did you arrive at that?
1: Oh, I actually didn't start off with that, but then when I got pregnant, I was, um, i i just thought okay there's all this great research around positive psychology mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm looking at it from a sociological perspective there was nobody doing that mm-hmm. and um and so that's how that's why i wrote raising happiness i was translating what i was already doing with corporations to you know my own personal parenting and like yeah. helping all the other parents too and it actually sort of started that way at my oldest um was in kindergarten when I wrote that book, actually. And it was like I was teaching all the other moms uh, mm-hmm. or parents that were at pickups, those kinds of things. And then, you know, I kind of continued my life working with corporations and wrote The Sweet Spot. And then all my kids became teenagers. And the book that is coming out um, soon is called The New Adolescence, which is very sociological again. So mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm looking at what's totally different in today's day and age
2: mm-hmm. about
1: teenage, being a teenager and adolescence, but also I'm just like teaching myself what I need to know, yeah, right? Yeah. I've got four teenagers. There's mm-hmm. a lot to figure out. The world is completely different yes. than it was when I was a teenager. So it, I'm, I'm still applying basically all the same science, not all exactly, but all the science related to well-being. To these different arenas so you mm-hmm. could be a corporate leader or you could be a teenager and there's the things that we know about well-being are important
0: are are similar across the board right
1: <laughs> they tend to be yeah <laughs>
0: whether you're a leader or a teenager you got some similar problems right
1: <laughs> you do <typically. laughs> hopefully not all. Same yeah. Yeah.
0: Life. Hopefully not all.
1: <laughs> I mean, there are some leaders that are ha- still having <laughs> problems.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So Christine, tell us a little bit about what you do now. Um, whom do you serve now? Um, who are your ideal clients? Who, and, and how do you help them? Well, we'll go a little bit deeper into the, the specific steps in your books that may be helpful to people, but who are your ideal clients today?
1: I'm doing a lot of work with executives that are really looking to make their work life more sustainable. So most of my, the clients that I'm working with right now um, are very high achieving. A lot of them are women um, and a, and a lot of them are, are really um, looking at what they want to do next. Do they want to go higher? Is this, you know, they struggle with overwork and, um, and, and, Finding fulfillment at home as well as um, at work and and feeling like sometimes the two things are at odds, so mm. it 's a very interesting problem it 's a very common one, and um, I, I mean as a coach it's just really gratifying work
0: yeah yeah, no I, I can imagine you you talked about um, you know people struggling with work life balance, you talked mm-hmm. about um, how you sometimes have to help them see the sustainability in their own lives. So tell us more about that. You know, what, what are the challenges that they have? And then what, what steps or solutions do you end up uh, bringing to, to help them see uh, better futures?
1: Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do is, um, to take somebody who's kind of on the brink, right? Like of, of making a big career switch or, um, you know, just feeling like something's got to change. I love working with people who are like, Some- something's got to change. This, yeah. this can't go on for much mm-hmm. longer, right? Because yeah, they're yeah. so tired. They're so exhausted. And looking, my, so my favorite thing to do is to look at the thought, the stressful thoughts that they're having that, that are keeping them from doing what they know they need to do, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so maybe they know they need to get more sleep. So what is it? What beliefs do they have that are keeping them from getting more sleep? Like Mm -hmm. what, where are they stuck? And in particular, what is it about their thoughts that
2: Mm -hmm. are
1: keeping them stuck? Because we can, we, we can have a, we can have a lot of knowledge about uh, what would make us higher performing or feel better or whatever, but then we don't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, we we know we need more sleep. We know we need to exercise more. It would be probably really good if we kept a gratitude journal and tell, you know we we know all the things, yes. right? What's mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is um why what, why don't we do them? Yeah, and um and in particular, um it, it, as a culture, we tend to believe everything we think, right? Mm. Like we're so analytical, mm-hmm. and um, and a lot of my clients work in the tech industry, and they're they you know they they're very data oriented, and they believe everything they think. Yeah, and um, and they and they believe
0: the stories they tell themselves.
1: They believe the stories they tell. They love. I mean, we love to be right. I think that might be a human thing, not just a just an American thing, right? But um, maybe I don't know. I actually don't know what that's <laughs> cultural. But uh, what I know is my clients love to be right. I love to be right. Right. It feels good to be right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you're right, you're believing your thoughts. And, um, and while it's true that all of our emotions are true, right? Like uh, anything you're feeling is true. You can just trust that if you're feeling it, you're feeling it. Yeah. But what you're thinking, is, I mean, our thoughts are riddled with errors yes. and we never see it or we rarely see it, right? So a really, like, that's, this is one of the, the greatest things about being a coach mm-hmm. because, of course, we can see the error. It's easier to see the errors other people are making in their yeah, thinking yeah. And, um, and, and how our limiting beliefs, especially mm-hmm. about ourselves or about our success, Um, about, you know, how we got where we are or what we need to do to meet other people's expectations. Um, Those are the things that can actually really sabotage our happiness and satisfaction with our jobs and everything.
0: Those blind spots are just unbelievable. I mean, I think what you're you're talking about, in fact, I I tend to look at human beings, us, as fundamentally blind. Like we we have these five senses, right? (laughs) But they don't they don't tell us anything about our reality, and then we've got this mind that is consistently telling us all the wrong stuff and and so I agree with you it's 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 fascinating now, how do you you know in the world of of blind people walk people from <laughs> from the lack of awareness of themselves, truly? to a place where they're aware enough about these things that they can begin to take actions. Do you, do you have like a, a three-step plan or five-step plan or, or are they encapsulated in your books? Maybe you could talk about them through some of the work you've written.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I've written a lot about it on my website, but I, you know, I think that the, the most important thing is to help people identify when they're having a thought that's um, stressing them out, right? Mm-hmm. Like when it's a thought, versus a fact right so helping people tease apart like okay um you know you you hit your shin on the table and that really hurt right that was like an event that happened or you or you had a fight with somebody who worked for you and it was really stressful and upsetting Mm -hmm. and that actually happened and then you thought about it a lot (laughs) And you felt the same, right? Like you thought about the fact that somebody shouldn't have put the table right there where you would hit it. And that like, and you got really pissed off again about it. Or you thought about the argument you had with your colleague and, and you felt the same thing again and again, right? So we have all these beliefs that, um, that cause so much suffering and so much stress.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, so the first step is really just identifying when it's a thought that's causing some stress. And then really in the tradition of Byron Katie, who's a spiritual teacher, she's not, she's not actually a scientist. I mean, most yeah. of what mm-hmm. I do is scientific. Um, mm-hmm. I, I help them question their thoughts, right? Mm. Like, like, is it true? What happens when you believe that thought? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, and then helping them sort of unwind it. You can't just drop a thought right like it Mm -hmm. just doesn't that's not the way the human brain works i say like okay so don't think that anymore (laughs) that doesn't work right but having them replace it with some a thought that's um not self-sabotaging that is more true actually Mm -hmm. um that is less stressful can then bring a lot of relief and sort of open up new patterns of behavior
0: Mm -hmm. you know it's it's interesting because what you've referred to which um, some would call disputation, is not an easy yeah. skill, <laughs> right? Right, right. It's, it's not, it, it sounds, you know, it sounds easy. Hey, you know, argue with yourself, right? You know, talk to yourself. You know, you could question yourself. It's actually kind of hard to do. It's a skill you have to develop, isn't it? It,
1: it really is. It takes a ton of practice. And, um, and it takes um, a willingness to be wrong. Right, mm. and that is what a lot but I think what makes disputation hard is that um that we're we're so dug in on mm. our rightness and um and more and more so right I'm seeing people who more and more are unwilling to be wrong, and if you're unwilling to be wrong, then um you know it's those moments that we're really in trouble right mm. when we notice that we're unwilling to question our thinking because if you're if you're thinking is causing you a lot of stress, it's not very functional right mm-hmm. It's not helping you move forward. It's keeping you sort of a victim not to your circumstances but to your thoughts and um so you know we're we're like victims to our thoughts, we're reacting to our thoughts, and that but we're blaming our circumstances and mm-hmm. so so we're like, I can't work at this company anymore. This boss is too terrible. This blah blah blah. The culture, the all the complaints that we have, some of which might be valid or whatever, but usually, you know, we put ourselves in this position of being a victim to these circumstances.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: we get a new job or we move to Chicago or we get married or we change our circumstances. Yeah. And guess what? We bring the same thoughts. Yeah. Right? And then we have the same problems.
2: Wow.
0: Wow. You know, it's so true. Um you know, of your three books um, that, that you, or actually you have one that's coming out now, the one book that um, I, I, I quickly connected to is this, The Sweet Spot.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and the reason is because I love your approach to saying, you know, that you can learn. It is a learnable thing that you can learn to accomplish more by doing less. You know, what a message to the workplace, right? How do you explain The Sweet Spot? Um, The idea of being able to accomplish more by doing less.
1: Well, so this is another example of how I had to teach myself what I, I needed to learn. <laughs> yeah. And I really needed, you know, I really felt like I had been successful in life through overwork, right? Like I just worked all the time. and super, super high achieving. And um, it was a physics professor, actually, that sent me some slow motion footage. He said, you need a new paradigm. You need a new metaphor for how people are successful i want Mm -hmm. you to look at the slow motion footage of of professional baseball players um, Mm -hmm. hitting um getting on base and he he said you'll notice that every one of these players gets on base right like or hits a home run um but it's really um only the players that are hitting from the sweet spot which is a place of both great power and lack of stress or great ease it's the overlap between where we have our greatest strength and Mm -hmm. also our greatest ease those are the only players that are hitting home runs and what was really compelling to me about it was watching the bat the reason the slow motion footage was compelling was because you could see when a player hit a home run the bat Mm -hmm. didn't move at all it was just like this nice clean um, hit, it just looked really easy, yeah. right? Like it, they made it look so effortless.
2: Mm-hmm, and,
1: mm-hmm. um, but when you watch the professional player get on base, they were still succeeding in their own way, but mm-hmm. the bat moves quite a bit. And with, um, oftentimes the bat will break, right? Like a, with a wood bat or a player will become injured because there's so much strain. Mm-hmm. And those players never hit a home run. It is physically impossible to hit a home run
2: mm-hmm. when there's
1: so much stress on the bat when you're outside of your sweet spot mm-hmm. so I thought okay this is really about accessing our effortless power I grew up and you know entered middle age always making a very powerful effort but mm-hmm. my bat was starting to break right it was splintering my body was breaking down it's just like there was too much stress And so it it was really a move for me personally, and now it is like helping my clients move from always making that really powerful effort Mm -hmm. to being able to access your effortless power.
0: Wow. You know, do you play ping pong by any chance?
1: (laughs) That's so funny. I do play a little bit. Do you play?
0: Okay, all right. Because I have
1: teenagers. We have a (laughs) ping pong. Yeah, you have a ping pong. Okay.
0: There is a great analogy that just so lines up with what you're saying. Like in ping pong, right? You know, there's that perfect ball that comes to you at a specific angle where you can smash it.
2: Okay? Yeah, yeah. Like
0: if yeah. it's if it's too low, you have to curve it. Um if it's if it's to an angle, you know, it's all curves. But if it's at a certain angle, you can just really put all your effort into it, right?
1: Yeah. And and I have
0: this this recurring dream sometimes where the ball gets to that perfect thing and I swing and miss. <laughs> and and it's always because the reason I'm missing is because of all the effort I'm putting into it. It's not easy. It's all the stress, as you say. So, you know, I just connect with that analogy so much. The the idea that sometimes you can try too hard.
1: Right, right. And the the other gratifying thing about ping pong is like you can feel that sweet spot. Like it actually makes such a satisfying sound, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm, when you've mm -hmm. got that like, that nice, I think that's why they call it ping pong, right? (laughs) Like the nice little pong sound. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. right like it is it, it's something that resonates that we know to be true but that in our culture today we really we don't celebrate effortless power mm. right like we say oh he made it look so easy oh she makes everything look easy but but we're not really acknowledging that um what it takes to be in that sweet spot we're like okay if you just stick your nose to the grindstone and work Work harder than everyone else, um, then then that's how you succeed, and it's just not true.
0: Yeah, it's no, just the, not true. This idea that you've you've got of effortless power, I think, is a classic. Um, now, along with your other uh, more parenting-focused classics, such as um, you know the, the the raising happiness book, and now the new adolescent adolescence, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> see, I, yeah, See, I have to get my African accent out of the way sometimes. The new <laughs> adolescence. Okay. The new adolescence. Tell us more about that because you know, this is really about raising happy and successful teens. Uh, what's your, your viewpoint on that?
1: Okay, so here's my viewpoint on this
2: mm-hmm.
1: if you've got teenagers. <laughs> most, of us, um, most of us parents really need to take our parenting game up quite a bit. Right? Mm. So this world that these teenagers are growing up in Mm -hmm. and um and are soon to be in the workplace is really different the rate of change you know change is the world is changing at a faster and faster rate and we are our social structures like our families and our parenting has not kept up Mm -hmm. and so um we are really looking at a tsunami of mental illness um coming our way right it is like, we are looking at higher levels of ang- clinical levels of anxiety, depression, suicidality, um, really than we've ever seen before in our young people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, in, in all people, the suicide rate is um, high, as high as it was in the depression, right? It's, yeah, yeah. it's, 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 it's high, right? So um, that's the bad news. The good news is that um that i really feel like we understand what is happening
0: Mm -hmm. is it related Um, to technology you know i I have a a lot of
1: it yeah yeah Yeah.
0: the fast-paced lifestyle and and technology that we live today
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's i mean oh yes i think a lot of it is um it relates to social media and and being um, for teenagers, especially, constantly comparing themselves to everybody mm. else, feeling like everybody else has, you know, got more game than they, yeah. they have, you know. So, so social status is more salient for adolescents than it is for adults, uh, although I think most adults feel and understand um, how bad it can feel to feel like you're losing status. Mm-hmm. And actually what we know from um, research on all primates, including, <laughs> including humans, um, is that, you know, it's very stressful to be low straight status. Um, mm-hmm. it's even more stressful to feel like you're losing status. Wow. Um, and so, so, so that's certainly playing into it. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of the, um, depression and suicidality can actually be explained by lack of sleep. And, um, so technology plays into that, especially with teenagers where where, like they're staying up later and later, but adults too, right? Like we, we understand how sleep soothes anxiety in the brain and how lack of sleep can lead to, um, social isolation, depression, all the kinds of things that we're hoping our kids will avoid, that we hope to avoid ourselves.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and you know, but we're, and yet we're staying up later and later because, um, because of technology in large part, like, and it's not just surfing, you know, our social media when we should be sleeping and that interrupting our, you know, the blue light, interrupting our sleep cycles and all that kind of stuff. It's also that we can work all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so for adults, it's a problem for teenagers, it's a problem. Like there is no end point, right. To, Mm -hmm. um, how much work we can be doing. So we need to create those limits for ourselves. And, um, and it's really important with teenagers that as parents, we, we sort of provide more structure for them because, you know, they can't resist. In the same way that we as adults struggle, you know, they struggle too, and they struggle even more.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, that's, that's really powerful. I love what you said here. You said that uh, stress. I'm paraphrasing. Is strongly related to lack of sleep. Now, how many of us know this, right? <laughs> and yet,
1: yes, we all know this. And, <laughs> and yet, this who's taking? Yeah, but yeah. who's taking?
0: Who's taking better action about that? Um, do you have any specific, maybe small nuggets of advice for how people can take these things they know and really, really, truly begin to get on a journey path toward, you know, you know, sustainable happiness, if you will, through these actions like sleeping better or, you know, less technology and things like that. Do you have any small pieces of advice we could, you could share from your
1: books? Yeah. So to go back to what we were talking about a minute ago, I, I think one of the most powerful things that we can do, if you notice that you're not getting enough sleep is ask yourself what you believe strongly um, that is hindering your sleep really. So um, you, you may find that you believe that you are too busy to take breaks during the day, for example, mm-hmm. or um, to stop, you know, working, at, you know, after dinner or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. You might have beliefs that in order to be successful, that's what you need to do. Yeah. Um, certainly, our teenagers like believe that they have to do eight hours of homework in order to get into a top college or whatever. So look for those beliefs and then question them. Right? Mm-hmm. They're they're actually probably not true because. So with sleep, I see a lot of clients who, for example, um, believe that they're too busy to rest during the day, to take breaks, mm-hmm. and then they need downtime. I and mean, this is true for our kids as well, right? They need We need downtime at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like that isn't, sort of, we like to just sort of stare into space and integrate our day and let our nervous systems come down or we won't be able to fall asleep,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: Like we you can't just switch from like full focus to, you know, and work to, um, deep sleep. It does, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, but because we believe that we were too busy to rest during the day, we take that at night and then we can't sleep. So it's, it's not so much that you think you don't need the sleep, but it's that you think you can't take a break at lunch,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like
1: that it starts by eating lunch at your desk or whatever <laughs> the case may be. Yeah, so yeah. really looking like, is it true that you're, you're too busy to take a break Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: um, because a more constructive belief would be that you're so productive, you have time to take a break, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. that taking a break leads to your productivity, like sort of like re, um, reworking your identity a little bit, actually, Mm -hmm. like your thoughts about yourself, what will lead you to be more successful? Well, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to be a lot more productive if you're not exhausted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, sort of walking the cat back to the beliefs that drive our behavior.
2: Mm,
0: nice. So, how can people get a hold of you, Christine, online? What's the best way to either get your books um, or learn from you directly, or maybe have you come to a workshop at, uh, at an organization? What's the best way to connect with you?
1: My website, christinecarter.com, is the place where we've got it all. That's okay. All yeah.
0: <laughs> um, know, as, well, as well as well your, as your LinkedIn page here that I'm looking at at the moment. I
1: know. I kind of hope that's updated. I haven't been on LinkedIn in so long. But yeah. I have somebody who might, who might be updating it for me. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's updated. And the, what I love the most about it is the very last thing on your signature there says, Mom,
1: <laughs> it does. That does. So funny, <laughs> it does. And it relates to
0: your books, and it's just—it's a perfect, you know—it's—it's it's a thing of uh, authority. I love it.
2: <laughs> so it's true.
0: Yes, yes. So, Christine, any last thoughts? Uh, you know, as we say goodbye here, uh, just uh, in general about uh, about your world of sociology and happiness and productivity.
1: You know, just that it matters, right? That, that your satisfaction with your life and your, and your work, it really matters a lot. And um, in, in this world in which we are seeing increasing rates of anxiety and depression, um, I hope you all take care of yourself and your, you know, your people because um, it's important.
0: It really is. Thank you so much, Dr. Christine, for being on our show. It's been a pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. So much fun.
0: All right. <laughs>
1: Thanks for tuning
0: in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit com. And remember, get happy first and
2: success will follow.